The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill. We apologize uh, for the inactivity over the last, uh, I don't know, two weeks or so. Obviously, we missed last week's, as we talked about in the previous show. Uh, I was down in Atlanta, and Hill and I uh, were working on the Super Bowl all week long. Frankly, could not find a time before right now to get this podcast done. We've been writing, we've been reporting, we've been doing a whole lot of different things. And there's plenty to talk about here. Uh, of course, we can talk about and we'll talk about Super Bowl 53. We'll talk about Super Bowl 54 odds, some of the teams we like, some of the interesting odds that we see that maybe are too high or too low. Uh, and we're also going to talk about the Antonio Brown situation, among other things. There's a lot going on. We're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, and so the Antonio Brown stuff is ever-changing, uh, but we'll hit the latest news there. But for starters... The New England Patriots, if you're a Pats fan, congratulations. You have won, or your team has won, rather, a sixth title. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick leading the way, and really in this game, the defense leading the way. 13-3 to over the Rams, low-scoring Super Bowl of all time. I was there. I had a blast, and a lot of people have complained about the game. I thought it was fascinating from a lot of schematic angles. Hill, you were back here at home base in Chicago in the fan-sided offices. Uh, I'll let you uh, fire away thoughts on the Pats, the Rams, and Super Bowl 53. Uh, well, I was asleep for most of the game because it was a pretty much a doozy. But no, uh, it was a, it was. Look, Kevin Clark said this, and he's and I agree with it that we're going to look back on this Super Bowl as like a hipster Super Bowl in a couple of years, where we have all of these NF, all of these offenses exploding all over the place, and we're going to look back on this one, which is generally hated at the time as a Super Bowl that was actually pretty decent. Like, defensively, it was a throwback Super Bowl. It was Belichick versus this offensive guru, and he completely shut him down. And Brian Flores, to some degree as well, had a role in this too. Let's not give him or take any credit away from him. It wasn't that bad of a Super Bowl. It was entertaining. It was also a perfect way for the Patriots to win their sixth title because everybody has Patriots fatigue. Everybody's now putting them with the Warriors where they're like, oh, God, you know, we can play the whole season, but we all know the Patriots are going to end up in the Super Bowl. No matter if we have a Patrick Mahomes in the AFC to throw a monkey wrench into things, it's not going to be enough. Patriots are still going to end up in the Super Bowl, even if they have to go on the road, even if they lose five road games this season. All of these things happen, and we're still going to have the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And to have them win a game that was 13-3, to that was 3 nothing at halftime, and kind of it's, you know, an afterthought that they won. It's not a huge monumental deal that they won a sixth Super Bowl. When it is a big deal that they just won their sixth Super Bowl, I don't know. I think it was kind of perfect. I was fascinated by it. Look, I got to be at the game. It was, you know, personally, it was the realization of a dream. It was the first time to recover Super Bowl. Um, and look, it was low scoring, and, and the Rams were terrible for large chunks of it offensively. Um, you took the Pats side, but I'll take the Rams. Look, my biggest takeaway, other than ob- the obvious, yes, you know, the Pats have won six Super Bowls now, no team. Uh, has ever done that since the Steelers, but the Steelers did that over the course of you know, multiple decades. Look, I'll take it from the Rams' point of view. I think if you're a Rams fan, there's a few things to be frustrated by and concerned with moving forward. 
Okay. One of them is if Todd Gurley is legitimately healthy, what was going on in that game? And, and look, I get C.J. Anderson was good down the stretch when you picked him up. He was good the last, you know, six, seven weeks of the year. It's C.J. Anderson. Like, you paid Todd Gurley a mint. You ride that horse until the wheels fall off. The wheels fall off. I, look, now, if he's hurt, that's a different story. But then he should have been on the injury report. And if he, if he is hurt and he was not on the injury report as he wasn't, then that's a major problem and a breach of protocol. And the NFL is about to hammer the Rams if they ever find out that to be the case. Now, the other thing I'd be concerned about is Jared Goff was awful in that game. And look, I get, I, I was going to write the story throughout the game and then things kind of changed afterwards. And, and, excuse, and Jason ended up writing stories I dropped my phone. Um, <laughs> Throughout the game, I kept making notes of in every big passing down, second and longs and almost every single third down, the Pats would stunt and twist and loop up front, and the Rams never adjusted to it. And the Pats did the same thing in the AFC Championship game to the Chiefs. The difference was is the Chiefs adjusted in the second half, and they lit New England up for 31 points. Now, it it ended up not mattering because the Chiefs' defense is the Chiefs' defense, but Mahomes went crazy in the second half of that game. Goff didn't. They never, ever change. And that surprised me because the Rams have a very good offensive line coach in Aaron Cromer. John Sullivan is an experienced center. I believe that was his ninth year in the league. Nothing ever changed. They brought the same motions over and over and over, and they just kept coming and getting pressure. So I I give Goff a little bit of a pass in that regard. But look, the, the interception he threw to Gilmore, you just can't do. You just can't throw that ball off your back foot and loop it up in the air like that. Um, and there were other throws that he, he should have had a wide open touchdown to Brandon Cooks in the third quarter, and he waited forever to throw the ball. Uh, so, look, I think if you're a Rams fan, Goff's got to be better than that. You're not winning a Super Bowl with Goff ever playing like that. And what is going on with Gurley? Gurley then, you know, a couple days later, they get back to L.A., and he doesn't speak to the media on media day where they're cleaning out. He leaves without talking. That's a concern. And then last, I'll finish up real quick. Look. They have a lot of free agents that they loaded up with this season. Mm-hmm. This was a year they went all in to win right now. This, was, this wasn't a long game for the Rams. And now Aqib Tlaib's a free agent. Well, Marcus Joyner, who played on the tag this year, he's a free agent. Dante Fowler Jr., who they gave up a lot for in a trade, he yeah. is a free agent. And Dominican Sue, he is a free agent. Roger Saffold, also a free agent. Now, he wasn't a hired gun, but still, uh, he's an important part of that offense. So they have a lot of guys that they have to sign, that they have to figure out what to do, or if they're just going to let some of these guys walk, which I think will be the case. And if it is, well, the Rams don't have nearly as many draft picks this year because they traded a lot of them away to get guys like Marcus Peters to get Dante Fowler. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they move forward. But look, this, this hurts for the Rams because you loaded up to the hilt to win right now, and they didn't do it. Yeah, and it was coming into the game almost a validation of what they had done because we had everybody who had been in the room for five minutes with Sean McVay or passed him in the hallway was under consideration for being a head coach simply for having been in his bubble for two seconds. That was the case last year, too, where we were kind of seeing everybody was looking for the next McVay. This year was the, the next step where people actually went out and decided to hire you know, his personal assistant to be their head coach. Um, but last year we had this entire conversation that he lost in the first one, he lost in the wild card. Like we hadn't seen the validation of McVay's system getting to the Super Bowl was sort of a validation of that people, you know, you can feel better if you're green Bay, you're hired Matt LaFleur, even though we weren't really excited about what he did in Tennessee. He's a McVay guy, Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. You can feel a little bit better about that if you really want to and so on and so forth. But this was a validation of the trades and the signings that they made too. But you didn't win the Super Bowl. So you can only take it so far. And like you said, what do they do now? Like we talked last year about the Jaguars when they got to the AFC Championship game and everybody and their mother is picking them to win the AFC South. They're going to get back. They've got Brady's number. They know how to do it. Didn't even make the playoffs this year. And I foresee kind of maybe something like that happening with the Rams if maybe Goff takes a step back in year what is it, three or four, whatever he's in, yep. if you see the defense doesn't have the right pieces come back, Wade Phillips maybe isn't what he was this year. This was, you know, when the Chiefs were at the trade deadline, you know, even before that and before Old Thomas's injury, we were having these conversations where it was like, they need to go out and make a trade. Do not wait for next year. Do not say, and this was the same thing with the Bears when they lost in the wild card. It's like, don't wait for next year. Don't be like, all right, we're going to get it next year. We've got Patrick Mahomes. We're going to be in the playoffs for years and years and years and years. The Chiefs have been in the playoffs for years and years and years and years. 
No Super Bowl is a show for it. The Bears, they've been in the playoffs. The only time they went to the Super Bowl, Rex Grossman was their quarterback. Not great. So don't wait for next year. The Rams, I can't kill them for going all in this year. It just makes it sting even more that after everything, yep. this is what they had to show well, for it. And that makes it suck even more. Look, I was, like I said, I was down in Atlanta. I was there all week and talked to a lot of the Patriots players, talked to the coaching staff. And, you know, one of the things with the Pats that's always struck me and has always been so impressive is they are so versatile week to week. They play different looks, different schemes, every single game. They, they tailor their game plan specifically to stop you. A lot of teams do not do that. And that sounds ridiculous and sounds elementary. But for an example, okay, we talked, obviously, we did this every week during the season, and the Colts and the Chiefs in the playoffs, I thought, I actually picked the Colts because of the Chiefs' history, but I remember (laughs) writing an article saying, like, I talked to two NFL coaches, coordinators, and both said, look, the Chiefs are going to kill them because Mm -hmm. the Colts play a cover two defense, and it's all zone, and the Chiefs are just going to have a field day, specifically Travis Kelsey. Well, that's exactly what happened. The Colts couldn't stop them. The Chiefs blew them out from the second the game started, and that was the end. And, look, you know, the Pats played more man this year than any other team. So you'd say, well, they don't change much. Well, they change a ton in their front seven. Guys move all over the place. Everybody's role changes on a given week. And then in the Super Bowl, where most teams wouldn't go from a heavy man to a heavy zone look in in a preseason game, the Patriots in the Super Bowl decided, oh, we're going to play a ton of zone in this game. We're going to change everything we've done because we feel like it'll confuse Goff. They did a lot of match defenses where things went from zone to man and from man to zone. They, they brought a ton of loops and twists and stunts like I talked about earlier. And the Rams just had no idea. They had no idea how to react. Now, on the flip side of that, the Rams play more 11 personnel than any team in the league. Almost 90% of the time they're in 11 personnel, which is a, a back, a tight end, and three wide receivers. Okay? Um, for anyone, by the way, who doesn't know and, and hates when people write about that or talk about that, like, oh, they were in 12 personnel. Uh, just a quick, all that means is take the numbers, so in this case, 11. The first number is how many running backs are in the formation, and the second number is how many tight ends are in the formation. So three wide receivers, a back and tight end, it's 11. So the Rams always play that, that, that scheme, and they didn't, they didn't change at all. And I had a suspicion going into the game that the Rams were in a lot of trouble because of that. The, the Pats, we're going to say, okay, fine. You want to stay in 11 all game? We're going to play you the way we know that can stop you. And the Rams had no second plan to go to. That was it. Um, but look, ultimately, I, I don't think the Rams are next year's Jaguars. The one thing I, I would look at the Rams and say, are they like last year's, you know, the Eagles, who did win yeah. the Super Bowl, but then the Eagles, and they got back and they won a playoff game, but they barely got in, needed a lot of help. Or are they two years ago, the Cowboys? When yeah. Prescott had that year, and, and they're thirteen and three, and everything's rolling right, and they lose, and okay, yeah, you got you know you got back, you know, two years later, but are you the same thing? Look, there, the problem I see for the Rams, and I'll just wrap it on this: Goff has got to be better. And I know you'll look at his numbers and say, yeah, well, he was really good. When Goff's under pressure, mm-hmm. it's a train wreck. And in the NFL, when you get to the playoffs and you play really good teams, you, teams are going to get pressure. I don't care. You know, the Rams have a good line, but they don't have the Great Wall of Dallas. Like, they're, they're going to get pressure. Whitworth is 37 years old. Who mm-hmm. knows how much he has in the tank? If I'm the Rams, that's my big concern because a lot of times you can't coach that. Mm-mm. You either can stand in there and take a shot or you can't. And Goff does not like to get hit. He's not built to get hit. That would be my big concern in terms of their personnel, anyway, going forward. What, what do you think the future is with Goff? Because a lot was made out of this because he didn't play well in the Super Bowl, and that's an understatement. But it wasn't historically one of the worst performances in Super Bowl history. It was kind of weird seeing him there because it's just you don't think of Jared Goff as a Super Bowl quarterback, and he's up there against Tom Brady. And, I mean, he understandably got smacked back down to the ground. But already, I mean, there was like a report the other day. I forget where it was. Maybe it was pro football talk. It was. I know what you're talking about. Where they were like, oh, yeah, we're gonna, which is I have two thoughts on this. One, it's like, all right, we're moving a little too fast because the report was basically like maybe the Rams are going to be on to Kirk Cousins in two years, which I thought was a joke at the time. Because, I mean, I'm sorry. Did you see Kirk Cousins yeah, like, in the playoffs? Is Kirk Cousins I didn't. than Jared Goff? No. I, and he's older. Man. And that's the I, thing, too. Like, Goff's going to have time to develop. And if McVeigh can make Goff football smart, it doesn't matter what he does off the field. It doesn't matter what he's doing around whatever. If he can get him in situations where he is a smart quarterback, which we've seen before. We've seen Jared Goff make smart decisions. We've seen him make good throws. There is flashes of a good quarterback there. 
It's unfortunate that he played like dog crap in the Super Bowl, which is obviously going to inflate this narrative that he's not the guy that you're looking for. This window is closing. No, just let McVay do what he can do with Goff. This is a thing. They're tethered together. Let them do this. And, it, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. It was kind of interesting, though, to see. And I, I like it when Titans fall. Like last year when Brady was up against the Eagles and he's fumbling and there's four minutes left in the game. It's like, my God, the Titan has fallen. McVay, after everything that was made over the last two years about how brilliant he is, how he's three, four, five steps ahead of everybody else. Like you said, once the Patriots on a dime shifted the type of defense they played, it was a thousand mile stare. It was like, what is this? And I just love when that happens. And it happens. And of course, Belichick's the guy that's just like, oh yeah, that's right. How about a little bit of that? So that was, you know, that, that, that's my, I guess my last takeaway from the Super Bowls. I just like seeing the, these guys that have been built up last year. It was Brady and Belichick who never, ever get caught with their pants down. It's like, oh, now they just did. Now it was McVay, this guy who is an offensive genius where all of a sudden he gets three points in the Super Bowl. That's... At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Wait, every time you wake up is the same day? That's terrible. Yeah, don't worry. I call Progressive. Their 24-7 protection still works, even if my day does last forever. Yeah, but don't you want it to end? Are you kidding? I win the lottery whenever I want and never regret anything. It's the best. Yeah, that's a good point. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Wow. Well, Belichick was the dope last year who sat Malcolm Butler. Yeah. And that's all everybody talked about, right? And this year, Belichick to me, there was a moment on Wednesday in his press conference um, where he was asked by a reporter about his love of United States history Mm -hmm. and his love of football history. And Belichick talked for, I believe it was six minutes and 15 seconds straight about the history of football. And I will tell you, it was one of the most incredible six minutes and 15 seconds of my life. I mean, listening to him talk about how he and his father owned 4,000 football books and how they used to make an annual trip with their family to Ohio, to Canton, to go to the Hall of Fame. And they would go in the basement of the Hall of Fame and just read books. Jeez. And he talked about how when he was a kid, how they, they played you know, in high school and they, they, they played against you know, these, these different archaic offenses. And you know, he talked about the T formation. And yeah, you know, I, I played the T formation when I was in high school one, one time. And then we played against it. Or, you know, he played it in eighth grade. Then he played against it in high school in Andover, Massachusetts. Um, and, and he talked about just all the lineage of the different schemes and the coaches and who he's read about. They ran a play in the Super Bowl that was a, a, a running play born out of the T formation, which mm-hmm. is, has not been in the NFL since like the 40s. It is with Belichick. He has the advantage of knowledge. And when you have that knowledge, you have the ability to be flexible. You have the ability to switch things in and out. And it look... Say what you want about that game, boring, whatever. It was a master class by Belichick. He's twice the age of McVay. He's 66. McVay yep. is 33, and it showed in that game. Mm-hmm. I, look, the Rams are more talented than the Patriots. They are. To me, it's not even a contest, and it didn't matter. The Rams scored three points. Belichick basically made the bet that I'm going to throw things at you that you haven't seen, and you're not going to be able to adjust to it. And he won. He won. Because the Rams were, they were so flummoxed in that game. They had no idea what to do. Um, and look, again, you asked, I'll just answer the question you asked me about where do I think this goes with Goff. Look, I think Goff's a good player. I don't think Goff's a great player. I don't, I don't see him, I don't see him as, you know, Mahomes or Luck or Russell Wilson. Mm-mm. I see Goff as, as, you know, Matt Stafford, as, um, Dalton or somebody like that. I think he's Baron Dalton, but like, yeah, like, you know, maybe, like, maybe his ceiling is like Rivers. You know, but I, I I see him as a good, maybe a very good quarterback, mm-hmm. but the kind of guy that like look, if you hit him and you get some pressure in his face, that it, it's not going to go well. Where there are some guys like Roethlisberger throughout his career, yeah, like Mahomes has been early, where it just doesn't matter. Like no matter what you do, they are going to stand in the pocket and they're going to take a shot and they're going to deliver the ball, and. I you know Rivers to I think almost maybe is the best comparison I can give. Rivers is a, is a great player, but Rivers is a guy who you know where he's going to be, and if you get pressure on him, you can force mistakes. Mm-hmm. 
So I think maybe Goff is like Rivers light. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think they're going to go out and get Kirk Cousins in two years. Like, I get it. He's got Tyus no. McVeigh when McVeigh was in Washington. And it's like, Nor should they. But like, like, no. that, that goes Look, without and, saying. And pro football talks are fine out. But I just don't. To me, I just don't see the logic in them doing that. I mean, unless Goff really just craters the next two years and they just feel like we have to move on. But I, I don't see that happening. Um, and look, actually, speaking of, of player movement and, and things that could happen, and we'll get to the, the Super 54 odds mm-hmm. here in a little bit. Antonio Brown. Woo. Uh, not quite sure what's going on with Antonio Brown. Now, look, to set the scene, for anyone who hasn't paid any attention to this, or has paid you know, a modicum of attention, uh, this has been an ongoing year-long thing, okay? In the summer, he got into a spat with an ESPN reporter. I believe it was Jeremy Fowler who covers the Steelers. I threatened him. He subsequently apologized. Uh, but, but that was the start of what's been a very long year for Antonio Brown. Then he went into, uh, a, a, I don't want to say a tirade, but a spat on Twitter where he basically said, you know, you don't like me, trade me. That was after week two. Um, then... From there, he got a, he got pulled over for going 100 miles an hour in a 30 mile per hour zone in a Pittsburgh suburb. Um, he was alleged to have thrown furniture off a 14th floor balcony that almost hit a, I believe, it was a 22 month old child. Yeah, um, that's still ongoing. We'll see where that ends up. Then uh, during the season, he week 17, and I might even be missing something, but at least off the top of my head, week 17. He shows up Wednesday's practice. He has a, a, an argument with Roethlisberger, throws the football at his feet, says, I'm done, walks off, doesn't show up Thursday, doesn't show up Friday, doesn't show up for a meeting on Saturday, shows up on Sunday expecting to just play like nothing happened. The Steelers, in a must-win game, made him inactive, um, and he was not thrilled about that. So he left at halftime of the game. Um, and obviously, since then, it's been a back and forth. Will they trade him? Will they keep him? They're going to work through things. Now they're not. And then it comes out on Tuesday, uh, there is a alleged incident of uh, domestic uh, abuse, I, I guess you would say, where uh, in, his home, in his home area of Hollywood, Florida, uh, it was reported that he was not arrested, uh, but the, that police were called to the scene. Uh, what's now come out today is that Antonio Brown allegedly shoved the woman out of his doorway. She fell. She scraped her arm uh, and hurt her wrist. Um, and now the NFL is investigating it. So that's where we are with that. That's a whole lot of crap for 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, I was down in Mobile a week and a half ago, and I reported from a source who has knowledge of the situation that the Steelers and Brown are still amenable uh, to working things out to trying to bridge the gap now there's been stuff that's happened now since then does that change everything you know uh, his agent drew rosenhaus uh, came out publicly and said that you know look i uh, talked to espn's reporter jeremy fowler and said that the, you know of our report said that well that you know we have not talked uh you know the reporter me in this case would have uh wouldn't have knowledge of our position and i would say to that that i stand by my report so, um, and I, I feel very confident in it. That being said, again, things have changed in the last 48 hours. Yeah. You know, and I, I have not talked to uh, said source since, plan on doing so uh, you know, shortly. But the, the question becomes, is that, is that the final straw for Pittsburgh? If they think he's going to get suspended, or even if they don't, and they're just fed up the whole situation, do they move on? And now, how hard is it to move him? Is it even harder? Their leverage is going down by the day every time he does something like mm-hmm. this because it seems like we're not going to get the first-round pick. He's on a three-year, basically $39 million contract going forward, which is great for him, uh, or great for his value, rather. But if you're the Steelers, you're painted into a corner right now uh, and not a good one. And so, uh, Hell, your thoughts on what they should do with their 30-year-old all-pro receiver? I mean, this certainly doesn't make anything clearer for the Steelers. Uh, I think this all kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the preseason, which was at what point does the wheel or do the wheels come flying off the clown car in Pittsburgh? And we thought it was going to be this year. It came really close. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs. You it kind of was. It, it kind of was this year. Yeah, you could argue that this was the year because Le'Veon Bell sits out the entire year. It's drama the entire season. You've got infighting about that. Then you've got unity about that. Then you're in situations where it looks like Le'Veon... It got to a point where James Conner, who was a really good story, okay? This kid comes back from cancer. 
He's drafted into the NFL. He's basically usurping Le'Veon Bell in the, in the Steelers' offense. It should have been a really, really good positive story. But because things are so toxic in Pittsburgh, it became his success and his story became a middle finger to Le'Veon Bell. That is how toxic Pittsburgh was this year. This awesome story was weaponized against one of their own players. That was astonishing to me to watch that happen. And it goes to the thing about the clown, the wheels coming off the clown car. And then you've got all this Antonio Brown stuff happening. Ben Roethlisberger's being Ben Roethlisberger, where he maybe he's going to quit one week, then he's not going to quit one week, then he's taking veteran days off and all this kind of stuff. Tomlin's not saying anything about it. He's trying to keep the seams from coming undone. I think that, I mean, we've said it last year, and we're probably going to say it again a lot this year. This is the, and this isn't specifically about Antonio Brown, but it factors into it. I think this is the end of this Steelers era. This, this might be Tomlin's last year. This might be Roethlisberger's last year. Bell's going to be somewhere else next year. Brown might be somewhere else next year if he's, you know, unless something comes of this case and he's not playing anywhere next year. The defense, you know, Ryan Shazier, we said it before the season, his absence was felt all year long. I mean, he's an emotional and a spiritual leader now for that team, which is good, but his absence is, from a football standpoint was felt. We don't know what's up with that defense. It, I mean, you can't build an offense around Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm sorry, you just can't. He's a good piece and a good system. This is the end of the Steelers era that we just watched. And that's unfortunate. And the way that it's ending is unfortunate too because they've always, the Steelers have always been an organization that prides themselves on you know, the good aspects of football, of good character. And to have it all come undone like this is just incredible. But it's going to be exciting too because just like how the Packers fired McCarthy and now they, they're entering a new era, that, like that's a franchise that you know, the head coaching job doesn't come open very often. The Steelers rebuilding and constructing a new era like, let's look at that from a positive aspect and be like, all right, well, what's next for Pittsburgh? They might be off for a couple of years as Baker rises, as Zach Taylor takes the Bengals to the Super Bowl. to one playoff win, maybe. Let's, let's start baby steps there. But this is going to be an interesting era for both the Steelers and for those teams in the AFC North. There's a shifting of the power. Mahomes in Kansas City, what's up with the, with the Patriots? That all factors into it. And the fact that the Steelers' dynasty of success, not necessarily dynasty on the same realm of this Patriots, is ending and ending this way... I mean, that, that kind of just sucks. Yeah, well, we both predicted before the year started that they wouldn't make the playoffs. And then they started out 7-2-1, and one, and we both retracted. And we're like, well, we're idiots. And then they missed the playoffs. And then the Ravens won so the division, we, we like we thought. We should have just won <laughs> tight. Yeah, we both picked Baltimore to win. They did. Uh, look, you know what? With Pittsburgh, I agree with you in the sense I think their run is just done. I, I, think, they're, I think they're cooked. I think emotionally they're cooked more than anything else. I think they're fed up. They're tired. They lose games they should never lose, and they lose them all. And to me, that's an example of a team that's just mentally is not always there. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think they should have fired Tomlin. Um, and that, not because I don't think Mike Tomlin can coach. I just I think it's time. It's just run its course. Yeah. I always look at like Andy Reid in Philly. Yep. Like, it just, look, Andy Reid was still a damn good coach, but it just got to a point where look, it, just, it was time. And that's okay. There's no shame in that. Tomlin will get another job tomorrow if he quit. But I just think, look, if you're the Steelers, the Steelers are in a very tough spot, though, for this reason. Roethlisberger is 37 years old. Okay, He's not going to be there forever. He's not playing always 45. All right, And so if you're the Steelers, you almost are obligated to try to just piecemeal this thing together as long as you can. And then when he retires, at that point, you throw your hands in the air and say, F it. We're blowing it up. We're going to suck for three or four years. We don't care. Fans will stick by us. Like That's the way this is. But how do you do that when Antonio Brown is is the problem that he is and Le'Veon Bell is leaving? And Roethlisberger, frankly, as great of a player as he is, has become the biggest prima donna in the sport. I mean, it, yeah. he's, he throws somebody under the bus every time one goes by. It's, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. And the, you know what? To me, this all started with all that crap because the Steelers always let him do it. Yep. They never stop. That, that stuff, you don't see Brady doing that. And if Brady did it, Belichick would go berserk, and that'd be the end of it. But these, he just it never stops. And when Roethlisberger starts doing it, then other guys in that team go, well, okay, well, if he can do it, well, I've been here for 10 years, I'll do it. And that's how you get Pouncey spouting off yep. about Harrison, Ramon Foster talking about Bell, and, you know, and Brown doing all this nonsense. No, I'm not pinning it all on Roethlisberger, but like, look, that's where it started. Yeah. Because Roethlisberger's done this for years. And... Tomlin has always had the attitude of, if you're a really good player, I will put up with it. Well, that's fine, but eventually the bill comes due. 
and the bill is overdue for them. Oh, this yeah. has been a circus. I, I eat, look again. I reported from the Senior Bowl per source that those two team that those two sides, Brown and Steelers, are willing to work something out and stick together. I also reported in that same thing that the Steelers, if they get an offer they feel that they are, are happy with, that they'll take it. Um, rather than just dismiss it out of hand as it would have in the past. My guess is, and this is a guess, hopefully it won't be here shortly, but my guess is at the second that they will move him because they're just fed up with him. Mm-hmm. And I think they will get an offer that they say, okay, you know, fine, two seconds, first and a third. And, you know, some team will roll the dice and say three years, $39 million for that talent. Okay, we'll put him in our structure and hope for the best. You know, but you know, do the Raiders do it? Do the Raiders try it? I mean, Gruden's never been afraid of a big personality, and they've got three first-round picks. Yeah. Do they trade not their not their first round? Oh do, God. Do they, yeah. <laughs> right I'm not saying that I think that would work, but like, is that a team that might say, "Hey, look, you know what? Do the Packers do it? The Packers have a couple first-round picks. They trade in the Saints pick and and maybe their own third rounder and say, "Hey, we'll take a shot. We're trying to win a Super Bowl. Maybe we get him in here, and he's in Green Bay. There's not a lot going on." And he's got Aaron Rodgers, and he's happy, and he's the number one guy, and he can win a Super Bowl here. I don't. Again, that's all spitballing. I don't know, but I'm just saying I, those are two teams that have multiple first round picks. Maybe those teams would be more apt to part with one of them than a team that that would be their only first round selection. Yeah. If okay, so let's say somebody trades for Brown, and he gets there. What is what is your guarantee if you're that team getting him that he's introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Not just going to be, you know, I'm going to hold out. I want an extension. I want more money. Like, because I'm not saying that he'd do that, but right. definitely everything is on the table with him at this point. So if he goes to Oakland yep. and he's like, look, I got to play here for three years. You're going to pay me for five. Like, like, let's do this. Like, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be here and get paid what I want. I, maybe he doesn't do that in Green Bay if he goes there because, you know, he does have Rodgers. But right. who knows? I mean, he's 30. Yeah. Like, he's, he's he wants to get another July. contract. No, I mean, look, there's just, again... Uh, Rosenhaus is his agent, and I would suspect uh, that a team would have to have assurances. Like, look, he's, yeah. he's not going to pull this stunt. And, and so, you know, look, if you're a team, you, the one thing that, that helps you if you're a team acquiring him is he has zero leverage. Yeah. With all the nonsense that's gone on with him, not the time. Now, I could see him if he, let's say he went to Green Bay, he was great for a year. Then I could see him saying, hey, look, come on. You know, pay me, which you know, you, you, maybe you're cool with that because you just had a great year. Um, look, it's going to be interesting. And when you look at uh, the Super Bowl odds for next year, for Super Bowl 54, the futures, all the things we just talked about, I think are all true. I think the Steelers are in decline. It's my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's your opinion. Uh, the Steelers are the fifth best odds <laughs> to win the Super Bowl at 14 to 1. They're tied to the Chargers. Um, and the, the Packers, by the way, who we just finished talking about, are 16th and one. Then I would imagine if that trade ever did come to pass, that those two teams might flip. Uh, and then the Packers are, of course, uh, what, seventh. So tied with the Bears and the Cowboys and the Vikings. Now, that being said, the Steelers at 14 to one. No, listen, I don't, I don't think so because I just don't think they're. The, anywhere near the best team in that conference. Um, but there are some interesting ones on the board. And for the first time in the history of the franchise... Here it is. The enjoy Kansas the City, yeah, Yeah, well, I'll enjoy it when they win one. <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs are the favorites going into the next NFL season. Now, of course, look, there's, there's free agency and there's drafts and, and, and training camp and everything else. But as of right now, the Chiefs are six to one. They've never been a better than eight to one to win the Super Bowl, uh, and they've again they've never been the favorite before going into a season. They are six to one. New England is seven to one. New Orleans and the Rams are both eight to one, and then you get into Pittsburgh fourteen to one. So you kind of have a drop off there after the top four. Of course, those are the four teams that played in Championship Sunday. Yep. Uh, 
I'll I'll let you uh, go off here uh, on on your thoughts. Your thoughts on the Chiefs, not the Patriots, being the uh, the favorite, and then maybe some uh, just general thoughts on some of these other odds. Uh, well, I think that Bucko Bruce Arians coming to Tampa and having eighty to one odds is a little unfair, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, the Chiefs, I mean, that's the obvious favorite. Like, look, we all thought that they were going to get to the Super Bowl this year. They got a lot farther than we ever thought that they were going to get in conversations that you and I have had because whenever they win a game, it's a miracle. Uh, I think it's significant, though, that the order of the odds is the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Saints, and then the Rams. And I wonder if what goes on this offseason, if maybe they slip down a little bit further, which is tough to, you know, it's, it's tough to swallow that because it's like they just went to the Super Bowl, but they also just scored three points in the Super Bowl. They also have a handful of key free agents. So I wonder if the odds maybe change on the Rams there. It's very interesting to me that in the top 10, you have three of the NFC North teams. You have the Packers at 16 to 1, the Bears at 16 to 1, and the Vikings at 16 to 1. That was a division that we thought the Vikings were going to run away with this year, and they didn't even, you know, they lose to the Bears in the last week of the season. They don't even make the playoffs. So to have those three teams also adjacent to that, you know, prayers up for Matt Patricia and Detroit, who are nowhere near the top What 10. are their odds? Uh, the Detroit Lions are 100 to 1 odds. They Still share, wouldn't take it. They share the same odds with great franchises such as the Cincinnati Bengals and the Oakland Raiders. However, let's just say this right now. the, the oh, bottom and, and the Bills. And the and Bills the Redskins. and the Redskins. Let's not, let's not forget all those teams. Well, I did forget about them because I don't want to mention them. But let's just say those 101 odds seem that that's at the bottom of the list. However, the very bottom of the list, 300 to one, the Miami Dolphins. 300 to one. There's a 200 point gap or 100 point whatever. No, 200. 200 point gap between the 100 to one odds of the Redskins and the 300 to one odds of the Dolphins. I Let that sink in. America. I also want to throw this out there, and I apologize to any loyal listeners we have who are Titans fans. Okay, our podcast <laughs> was run through the ditch by Titans fans. Okay, we, you specifically too. Yeah, apparently you hate Marcus Mariota yeah, as a yeah, person. That's what I've heard. Um, we have we have a <laughs> litany of negative comments on the, about this podcast from Titans fans who have never listened to the podcast because I I tweeted that I didn't think Marcus Mariota was franchise quarterback. Um, I'll take it a step further. Marcus Mariota sucks. Ooh, okay. Fighting words. And you know why he sucks? And you know how you know he sucks? They are 60 to 1. <laughs> that team went to the divisional round two years ago when he threw a touchdown pass to himself in Kansas City. And then last year, okay, oh, Marcus Mariota, he's a franchise guy. He's elite. I actually had somebody tell me and, and meant this that he's as good as Brady and Mahomes. He just plays in the wrong system. Okay. They're 60 to 1. Those are worse odds than Jacksonville, the Giants, the Niners. By the way, the Niners, they who are picking second, okay? <laughs> and the Titans, who have this great mystical quarterback, are picking, are picked at 60-1. to 1. They're even with Denver, who is Case Keenum. Ooh, congratulations. Nice job. Yeah, he's elite. He's great. Um, just wanted to throw it out there. For anyone who, like, hate listens because they, you know, they commented, now they're like, screw Verderam. I'm going to send him a message. Well, here's your <laughs> message. Your quarterback sucks. And that's why you're 60 to 1. You're the most boring team in the NFL. Um, yeah. Although I will say, I like Vrabel. But the Ver- Verderam's mind has not changed, Titans fans. No, he, he stinks. And if they, if they had a real quarterback, they would actually be an interesting team. Because I, I think the team around them is far better than people give them credit for. Um, what do you think of the Cleveland Browns at 20 to 1? Same odds <sighs> as the Colts, the Ravens, yeah. and the Eagles. Look, I think Cleveland, and I want to see this all season goes before I like, really stick to this. I might pick Cleveland to win the division next year. It's not bad. Because I don't believe in Pittsburgh. I think Lamar Jackson has a very hard time consistently throwing the football. Mm-hmm. And while I like Zach Taylor quite a bit, the Bengals, I just think they need a remake. They, the defense was dead last in the league. I don't trust Dalton. I just think that team I – think, I think Taylor there is going to have to play the long game. Yeah. And I guess the good news is for him is he's got an owner who will be patient. <laughs> uh, he's but, there for the next 15 years. Yes. But I, but I think, I think that's a, a, a remake that needs to happen. But the Browns are twenty to one. Look, I think that's, a, I think that's high. I think it's the momentum of they played all the end of the year. It's Baker. Like, if you really realistically just think about this, do you really think the Browns are going to the Super Bowl? No, uh, we got to walk before we run here. 
Playoffs for sure. If if we're talking, I think playoff they can make odds, the playoffs. Next I think year. they make the playoffs. I like them as a playoff team next year. But do I think do I think they're beating New England? No. Do I think they're beating? God, no. Do I think they're going to Arrowhead and beating Kansas City? No. Nope. No, I don't. I don't even think they'd beat the Colts yet. I was, yeah, I was gonna say like, I think they'd have a tough time. So the you know, could they beat Houston? Maybe. Although Houston waxed them last year pretty good, late in the year. So look, I, 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 I really like what Cleveland's building. I love Mayfield. I think Dorsey's a tremendous evaluator of talent. But it's the easy part, and it sounds weird to say, but it's, it's true if you think about it. The easy part for Cleveland is going from 0-16 to getting to a point where they're winning seven, eight yeah. games. The hard part's going from being that team to consistently winning 11, 12, 13 games. That is a big difference. I mean, think about the difference in perception from a team that goes 9-7 and seven and 11-5. and five, Yep. Right? Like, 9-7, and seven, you're, probably, you're 50-50 to make the playoffs. You're 11-5. and five. You're one of the probably the five, six best teams. I mean, the Pats won 11-5. And the difference in that is two wins. That's not a huge jump, but it's a tough jump. That's a lot of things having to fall into place. I like the Browns. My only, my biggest question with the Browns is Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, he has never even had a full year as a coordinator, and now he's a head coach. And he's and he's a head coach of a team that has a lot of expectations. All of a sudden, yep. Does that team rise up? I think Baker's the right guy, but I got to see Kitchens prove as a head coach. That he's the right guy. I don't know that he is yet. That's my big question with Cleveland. The, the best part about the Freddie Kitchens thing was that he moved. I saw this joke somewhere. He moved to number one in the power rankings of head coaches that, for the Browns that look like they could also be fans of the Browns. That's true. <laughs> like, it's like, it looks like he just pulled them out of the dog pound. and like, here you go. So, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, we, we've been sympathetic to the Browns the last couple of years. We've we been doing been this. And unfortunately, it. Hugh Jackson's been in charge of it. Now we'll see what Freddie Kitchens has to do. Ba- the Baker Mayfield effect is what I think the 20 to 1 odds are. Yes. Everybody's in on Baker. I mean, he's been here for one year and he's already in the NFL's 100 anniversary commercial sitting next to Brady holding yep. his rings. Like, the Baker May- which is good. I mean, we, we talk about it's a hard jump from 9 and 7 to 11 and 5. It's an easier jump from 0 and 16 to just 1 and 15. <laughs> like, right. uh, but the marketability of the Browns is also something here that we're talking about because they have been a laughing stock. They've been this franchise for the last almost 20 years now to be like, well, it's just 20 years, 1999. They come yeah. back 2019. They've been to the playoffs once, and Kelly Holcomb took them to the playoffs. Like, my God, and they almost won the game. But they should have. Against the, the Steelers. In, in so, yep. um, but the fact that the Browns are now marketable, they have that star quarterback. They have things working for them. 21, odd, 21 to 1 odds, I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl. I think that this is the start of a new era for the Browns in a way that we've seen a false start so many times before, finally. So before we get ahead of ourselves and say, all right, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, let's just kind of savor this building of whatever the, they have to come. The goal for them this year should be to win that division. Yeah. And you know what? If you want to say just make the playoffs, that's fair too. But for me, it's a win the division because that division is winnable. Um, I'll, I'll have these two thoughts here real quick too. If I had to look at a team that its odds are not great that I actually think could make a run at it, Atlanta 30-1. to 1. Yeah. Everybody forgets about Atlanta. Atlanta was a popular Super Bowl pick going into the season that everybody and their mother got hurt. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's really good. Like that, that wouldn't shock me if Atlanta is you know, twelve and four this year. So if you like a long bet, uh, I like thirty to one. Now I'm not a big better. Uh, I used to partake occasionally in college, but now that it's my job, I, I refrain. And you got married and have a kid. And, so. right, and my wife would um, she changed the locks in the front door. And <laughs> I, I love my wife, and I married way, way up. So I'm not looking to blow that. Um, but if I had to bet. And we are way out. I would bet on the favorite. And I will tell you this right now for anyone who does not know me who listens to this podcast. I am not someone who bets on the Chiefs. No. Ever. Let me tell okay? you. No. Hill, Hill's a friend of mine. We've worked <laughs> together for four years. And Hill will tell you unequivocally that that is the case. I, I live in so much fear of them. I actually think that they are rightfully the favorite going into the season. Um. I wouldn't say I think they're the best team this second, but I think that they have enough cap space and enough draft picks uh, where I think they're going to drastically improve the defense. I think hiring Steve Spagnuolo to replace Bob Sutton is a big move. Uh, I think Spagnuolo is a good coordinator. I think he's great, but I think Sutton was atrocious. I I think they are already 10 spots better defensively, seriously, because they fired him. I can't express to anyone who's not watched film of that team how bad that defensive game is. I mean, to the point, literally, that I could walk up to the line of scrimmage 90% of the time and call out, like, okay, I know what they're doing. It, 
It's comical. Like, for example, the Pats in this, in this game against the Rams, they ran a, a litany of stunts and twists. I don't know the exact number, but they ran almost every third, third down and, and most passing situations in second down. There were games in the last couple of years, the Chiefs, they did not run one stunt the entire game. And that's not an exaggeration. I mean, like, literally did not run one stunt, run, one twist, nothing, lined up the same four guys across the line of scrimmage the entire game and just ran straight up the field. Comical. Like, just insane. So, I, I think Spagnuolo is a big upgrade. They have a couple second-round picks, one coming over from the Rams for the Marcus Peters trade. So, they have four picks in the top, like, 90, 95. I think the Chiefs will do what the Rams did this year. I think the Chiefs are going to load up. I think, the, I think Kansas City is going to do whatever it can to win the Super Bowl right now because they know after this year that Mahomes can renegotiate. Yep. It's already been out there that he's looking for $200 million in a contract, which is just astronomical. But if you're the Chiefs, like, he could ask for a billion, and I think Kansas City would be, okay, whatever you want, man. Like, what, what leverage do you have for the Chiefs? You're going to sign him. You're going to sign him to whatever he wants. Like, they have big extensions coming up with Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones. I would expect that they tag Ford. Trying to work on that and find out about that, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I expect that to happen. I think Landon Collins and Spagnuolo have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Collins is great in his defense. I would expect that the Chiefs will go hard after him. They tried to go after Earl Thomas. They had a trade in place for him, and then he broke his leg. Uh, and so that obviously did not work out. But I, I would suspect Kansas City is going to be very aggressive this offseason. I think they will almost be exclusively aggressive defensively. And look, the Chiefs were a whisker, literally like an inch with D Ford mm-hmm. being offside from going to the Super Bowl. Um, I, I think they will go to the Super Bowl next year, and I think they'll win. And I've never, ever felt that way. But I think this quarterback, they, they are just going to be a bear. Like, I really think they have a good defense. Not a great defense, just like a pass ball, like ranked 18th in the league defense. They are the kind of team that if they stay healthy, could go like 15-1. and one. Because their offense is so lethal. They, they're they going to score 30. And you have to beat that. Yeah. And they went 12-4 and four with you and me playing defense this year. Like, they, they, they had nobody in the secondary, and they went 12-4. and four. Like, what if Barry's healthy next year? Now, that's a big if. But, like, what if he's there? What if – and even if he's not. Like, let's say they go out and get a Landon Collins, and mm-hmm. they go out and they – they go out and they draft a corner in the first round and they get another safe. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with Progressive Snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down. <clears throat> and if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. 50 in the second. They get a rush guy in the second. And they, I mean, they, look, it's just my opinion. Obviously, my opinion could change if, if they don't do a lot of these things in free agency in the draft. But I think that the Chiefs next year are going to be extremely tough to beat. And I do think they are the rightful favorites. Well, I'm not going to step on the Chiefs' positivity. You know, it's the off season when the tank has been refilled, and we're back to 15 and one. For once, it no, seems like you're not wrong. I, man, no, it, you know what? Honestly, every year when they've lost in the playoffs with Alex Smith, I've had the same reaction. Mm-hmm. No matter how they've done it, God knows they've found different ways to lose every time. My reaction is, oh, I just need a break from them until the summer. Like mentally, I'm just, I'm just through with them. The day after they lost to New England, I was ready for the season to start. And I've never felt like that. But because I just think it's because of Mahomes. I mean, I, I could sit here and give 38 other reasons. It's because of him. He's so good. He's so great. He's MVP of the league. They've never had an MVP before. Now they do. Look, I, I really, I'm not saying I'm predicting them to go 15-1, but I do think they're the kind of team. Because I think to be that kind of a team, you have to be great on one side of the ball and at least good on the other. Yeah. And the Chiefs, if they fix that defense, could be that. The other side of it, too, is look, the Raiders are, are bad. The Broncos are the Broncos <laughs> yeah. have not beaten the Chiefs in forever. Okay, the Chiefs have beaten the Chargers something like eleven of the last twelve times they've played them. The Chiefs play the NFC North, which I don't know that like like that's not a bad division per se, but like there's not a team in that grouping that I would say like well that team's better than the Chiefs. I mean at Chicago is a tough game. They do play at New England. That's tough. Then they get the AFC South, and they get the Colts and the Texans at home. So like they get Jacksonville and the, and, the, and Tennessee on the road. They get Baltimore at home. Oof. Like, that's just a schedule that you look at and say, look, if the Chiefs get better defensively, that is a team that could realistically go 14 and just roll folks all the way to the playoffs. 
But look, again, it's the offseason. We've got to see all this stuff plays out. Our teams are going to get better too. But Mahomes just makes me feel like, yeah, look, I mean, if they basically surround him with anything other than complete trash, like they're going to win. They're like when Rodgers is in his prime in Green Bay. Yep. That team just pencil them in for 13 wins every year. It was like, well, they're going to win and they're going to, you know. That said, they got to do it. They got to do it. But I, I, for the first time, literally in my 30 years of existence, I, I look at them and say, yeah, I think they will go. And for the record, Mahomes down at Radio Row, about 20 feet away from me, guaranteed that they will be in the Super Bowl. All right. Uh, he, was on, he was on Kansas City Radio. He was on Saran Petro. And he said, next year you'll be interviewing me at the Super Bowl, but it will not be at Radio Row. It'll be on the Super Bowl podium. Okay. Well, go get it, big boy. Mark it down. There That's you right. go. That's right. <laughs> well but, said. I have nothing more. Okay. Well, listen. First of all, before we go, we just want to thank our sponsors over at Fanatics. They do a great job, and this is the time of year to really check them out. Look, they're going to have all the new gear coming out for the draft. You're going to have new jerseys to get because of free agency. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've got you covered from A to Z. If you live in the Northeast, you'll live in Chicago. It's freaking cold outside. Get a jacket, get a scarf, get a hat, do whatever you got to do. But Fanatics, go to fanatics.fanside.com, throw in the code FANSIDE to get 20% off of shipping. Uh, they are not only great partners, they have great stuff. So make sure to check them out. We want to thank all of you for listening all season long. And we will have a new podcast every week. So we're not going anywhere. We got got the draft coming up. We apologize for not being around last week. I'm going to be blunt. Uh, I am still trying to figure out how to, like, logistically do this when I'm on the road. (laughs) Um, And it was just my first Super Bowl. I didn't want to screw anything up. We got a lot of great content out, not just from me, but from Jason Cole. Uh, Hopefully you were able to check all that stuff out and read it. Um, And check out fanside.com, really. We have just great stuff. Uh, coming on, we just hired somebody, Andrea Hanks, who's, who's terrific. Uh, she'll be covering football for us a little bit. She'll be doing a lot of wrestling stuff. She's got some entertainment. She's kind of a Swiss Army knife. Uh, Shay Corgan for us was at uh, the Sundance Film Festival. Really, yeah. uh, we just have so much going on. We'll be at the combine. Uh, Jason and I will be at the combine. I think you're coming down as well for a day or two there. So we're going to be loaded up from Indianapolis in a few weeks. But we will be with you every single week uh, going forward, and we can talk about. Uh, free agency we can talk about you know as the Chiefs as the Chiefs don't make a move in the first 10 hours we can talk about how I, I'll, we'll have an emergency <laughs> pod and I'll come on and have a mental breakdown as my 15 and one, my 15 and 1 pick increasingly goes to 8 and 8 um, but uh, in any event thank you for being patient uh, hopefully it's made up for it so for Josh Hill I am Matt Verter and we will be back next week and until then have a good week unfortunately no football but hey, fill your time. Maybe some college basketball. March Madness right around the corner. If that's your thing, if that's not your thing, baseball like a week away. There's the NBA trade deadline. There's there's hockey. Like there's unless you're a Devils fan, then your team <laughs> sucks like mine does. Uh, but hey, enjoy the week ahead, and we will be back with you next week. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.